the state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at an historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laugh as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Shout out to our super producer, the one and only Mr. Max Williams. They call me Ben, and like a lot of human beings, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all about talking to people. That's funny because it's not necessarily true. <laughs> sort of our job. I mean, we sort of talk to people professionally, I guess you could say, in, in a weird bubble. They don't talk back. They do sometimes via email or, you know, mean iTunes reviews. But in general, we're professional communicators. Uh, ben, have you ever eaten an escargot? Or a, I a, do, a snail? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got yeah, some yeah. in my kitchen right now, actually. In a can? Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? It's the one canned food that I think is actually pretty gourmet. There are other gourmet canned foods, but that's really the only way to get snails is in a can. I, I grew up in Germany, and uh, I, it was just like a thing that I grew up eating. And uh, I think I took a friend of mine when I was a little kid to a like a French restaurant and uh, we just got escargot and he tried one and thought it was the most disgusting thing in the world. He described it as like eating a chewy, you know, ball of snot or something like that. And you're Noel. And today we are talking about snails, but maybe not in the way you expect. We'll, we'll touch on escargot here and there, <laughs> uh, but snails, snails are a pretty common creature. They're also fascinating. They gross some people out, you know, some people think of them as moving boogers mm -hmm. due to, you know, the slime and, and the way the texture of their skin is and so on. But what on earth could snails have to do with the idea of communication? Because Max, Noel, and us listening at home and myself, we're all pretty lucky to be alive in a time where there are instantaneous means of communication across the world. But as we're going to see today, the idea of a global communication network is much older 
than the internet. In fact, there was a French occultist in the 1850s who thought he could build a communication network with, get this, snails. Mm-hmm. It's true. You knew we were going to get there somehow. Communications, snails, French occultists. What else do you want? I want to be a French occultist. That sounds like a cool gig. Um, no, it's true. The guy in question is one Jacques Toussaint Benoit, whose experiments in the 1850s uh, with snails led to something uh, referred to as a snail telegraph. Yes, or Paseolitic Sympathetic Compass. Which I, is, I like snail. Yeah, it's, it's a little less sexy, but definitely sounds fancy. What is it, Ben? What is it? So here's the idea in short, summed up by John Brownlee, writing for Wired. Uh, Brownlee says, Benoit is convinced that any two snails that have hooked up are forever in telepathic contact for the rest of their life, regardless of the distance between them. And to him, this means that if you touch one, then the other one, the mate, will move. And so based on this concept, Benoit makes some gadgets. Wired calls them contraptions. They're essentially like, picture 24 snails glued to the bottom of a bowl, and each of them is, in Benoit's design, representative of a letter of the alphabet. And there, yes, you're right, folks, there are two missing letters. We'll get to those in a bit. Wait, wait, so glued to the bottom of a bowl Mm -hmm. with letters on the top, sort of like a weird snail typewriter. Yes, yeah, and a weird and weirdly incomplete snail typewriter. Sounds like some Flintstones gadgetry right there. Yeah, and he was convinced that you could, you know, touch letters, key in letters, let's just say, on one set of snails, and the other set of snails, however far away they might be, would move uh, so that the person on the other end of the gadget could, you know, decode whatever message you were intending to send. Yeah, a snailograph, uh, mm-hmm. which is weird because mm-hmm. we call conventional mail snail mail now, but this snailograph was, uh, if it worked, it would be much faster than a telegraph of the time, right? So at this point, Benoit is trying to do the telegraph version of building a better mousetrap. The telegraph is already around. And when we look at the modern day, what we see is is pretty amazing. Like, no matter where we are now in the world, and we've learned this recording, this podcast on the road and during a pandemic, no matter where we are, we can use various platforms to communicate with each other, to even record our show. And that's a really recent development in the, you know, in the history of humanity. But it's something that has its origins in pretty basic scientific principles. And as Smithsonian Mag points out, these were first manifest. In the good old 18th century electric telegraph, you know, dits and dashes. We talked about this in the past. The story behind Morse code is really sad. Oh, God, Ben, it's been so long. I forget the sad part. Well, the uh, the death of Samuel Morse's wife was the real impetus or inspiration uh, for his work on the telegraph. Got it. Well, thankfully, I don't think any tragedy led into Benoit uh, coming up with this uh, this snailograph. I think it was more perseverance and kooky stick to Really interesting. So he believed that these snails could transmit like sympathetic current. Isn't that right? I mean, it was some form of like electrical transmission. I mean, we would look at it as almost like telepathy, right? 
um, mm-hmm. essentially is what he's describing. But, you know, he tried to describe it in more scientific terms. But again, the guy was like kind of a mystic I mean, or a cultist. And apparently, I mean, it makes sense. There's a really great article in Gizmodo, the man who tried to invent a telegraph made out of telepathic snails. It's a mouthful of a headline by Esther Inglis Arkel. The 1800s were a really like golden time to be an occultist. Uh, it was sort of like the swing of the pendulum in the other direction. After years and years of witch burning and fearing the devil and seeing his evil lurking around every corner, it became kind of a time where paranormal exploration and magic and, and kind of the com- combination of science and magic were very popular. Uh, and there was a lot of um, belief, even in just kind of regular old folks in seances and like the efficacy of seances and um, looking into things like fairies and gnomes and all of that. And Benoit was squarely in this camp. So while he, you know, does attempt to explain the snail phenomenon in relatively scientific terms, comparing it to the telegraph, he clearly was coming at it from a place of kind of, you know, a weird uh, ephemeral mysticism as well. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. (laughs) Well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avala Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
Yeah, yeah. To be very clear about it, Benoit was not a scientist per se, but Benoit also wasn't wealthy eccentric. So this meant that because he didn't have a ton of cash and he didn't have a ton of rigorous research, that he needed to convince other people to help him. He needed help funding this idea. But before we get to that, let's dive into what he thought was going on. So as you said, Noel, he believed there was uh, some sort of sympathetic bond or current between snails, like after they hooked up, basically, after mm-hmm. they made it. And he oh, believed- Really quick, Ben, have you seen snails mating, uh, like our up-close video, like in any nature documentaries of snails mating? I believe I have in the past, but it's it's not one of my go-to YouTube clips. It's it's not, nor should it be, and it's something to behold. The, the only reason I bring it up is because there's a really cool movie by or a documentary by a French filmmaker whose name is escaping me, but also did the, the film Winged Migration, and it's called Microcosmos, and it's like all this amazing kind of macro photography of like insects, and one of the scenes um, pairs like these snails just going at it, where they like two become one. They're like writhing together and make this weird Georgia O'Keeffe looking uh, array while this like gorgeous opera music is playing in the background. And it's simultaneously kind of beautiful and kind of hilarious because it looks ridiculous, but also like very psychedelic and strange. And the music just really sets it off. But I'm sorry, but please, I just had to bring up snails mating. It's something to see. Check out that clip. It's on YouTube. So Benoit obviously was watching snails mate and As I was saying, he believed that this mating process resulted in an exchange of what he called sympathetic fluids, and that Mm -hmm. the exchange of these fluids connected these snails in a way uh, that made them mentally inseparable. He thought of it as an an invisible string, something between a string and fluid that emanated from one snail to the other, a kind of natural telegraph cable. But this provided instant communication in his mind, regardless of the environment between them. So you could put them an ocean away. It wouldn't matter. One could be on a mountain. One could be in a deep cavern. They would still be able to have that vibe with each other. And the way, you know, and these are snails. So we can't ask them to say, guess a number or sing a song, right? Yeah. Instead, he just has to physically stimulate them. Yeah, like either by poking them, like we said, like literally tapping them like a weird snail typewriter, or uh, shooting them with uh, a little electric current. That'd do it. And he referred to this phenomenon, this kind of like sympathetic psychic connection with these fluids. I don't understand how fluids interact with each other. That Fluids can't really travel through space You have to be time. an occultist, I think. I guess that's true. It's true. No, we just don't understand. We can't wrap our heads around it. He termed this phenomenon escargotic commotion, which I, I just love. I'm going to start using that in, uh, in my regular conversation. Or maybe start a band called escargotic commotion. Either way... This was the basis of this whole thing. He considered this to be, again, citing this amazing Atlas Obscure article, he considered this to be some sort of evolutionary loophole, and he really believed in this phenomenon. He had a partner as well, an American, which is weird, who who has a very French-sounding name, Monsieur Bia uh, Chrétien, Um, an American somehow, though. Yeah, yeah, this this is interesting, though. Because some researchers believe that Benoit made this guy up like out of whole cloth. Uh-huh. But there never was another person for him to 
to communicate with, or maybe he was embellishing his story a little bit. But yes, he said he had a partner. He also didn't just see some snails mating and thought, I should try to turn these guys into the alphabet. Uh, Instead, he was building off this earlier concept that's very H.R. Geiger as a phrase, flesh Mm -hmm. telegraphs. This goes back to the 1500s, but then also earlier, just a few decades earlier in 1839, a guy named William O'Shaughnessy, an Irish doctor and uh, a fan of marijuana, had experimented with the idea of using human skin to transmit and receive electrical signals. Which is interesting because we know that that is a thing. I mean, that's the reason, for example, like touch lamps work and like touch screens, you know, like there is some connectivity between, you know, if you have a glove on, the screen's not going to work. If you have a glove on, like, you know, one of those touch lamps isn't going to work. So it is about kind of using the human body as a conduit for these types of signals. I mean, it's like, it's not like a current that's going to shock you, but we do know that the human body can transmit these kinds of uh, impulses. Yeah, vibes. It's not just an amazing film uh, starring <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. And one Cindy of Lauper. our favorites here on Ridiculous <laughs> yeah. History. Uh, yes. It really is uh, quite a banger. I highly recommend checking it out. You mentioned the 1500s, but in the 1500s, the flesh telegraphs, I guess, that were kind of being kicked around then involved fish? Yeah, yeah, that is that is true. It's strange because everybody was trying to, at various points, create some communication device like this. And I think it tells us something illuminating about the human condition, since before the dawn of recorded history, people were obsessed with trying to talk with one another. You know what I mean? Like, in general. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense that people would try to find novel solutions to the old problem of communication over distance, whether it's fish, whether it's snails, whether it's human flesh. They were just, we're saying they were throwing a lot of stuff at the wall here. Can we can we address the elephant in the room or the the massive dead snail in the room? The longevity of this does not really compute for me. Like you know, how you got to keep replacing snails? I mean, what do you if you feed them? It's like it's like having a pet. It's like maintaining an aquarium. I guess you can keep alive for a long time, but like, first of all, when I first heard this, I'm picturing snails lined up back to back to back to back to back, like over long, long distances, like literally a snail telegraph. But again, these were supposedly, you know, psychic snails. So I guess you only had to have about 25 of them on each end for for the alphabet. So, you know, if one died, but then you'd have to mate them again. It just seems like a whole homework assignment to me. Yeah, because you'd have to be, based on the lifetime of the snails, you'd have to be constantly ready to ship out a new receiver to whatever remote location the other receiver was originally at. And that's every time a snail passes away. Uh, It's also like, I guess people could, if this worked, save money by just using these keyboards for as long as they could, but it'd be like typing with a broken typewriter. Eventually you'd start missing really important letters like E or or some other vowel. Oh, you know, the life cycle of a snail is actually longer than I thought. Apparently in the wild, they can live two to seven years, but in captivity, they can actually live 10 to 15 years or even longer if they're like, you know, properly fed and watered. So, okay, I, I retract my uh, my beef, but there are, there are copious other beefs to be had with this well, uh, situation. Yeah, but I, I don't think you necessarily should because you'd still, the point remains, you'd still have to cycle it out. Maybe just not as often as some might assume. But 
look, they need help. They need credibility and they need cash, this pair of people represented by Benoit. So Benoit starts putting the charm on this guy who manages a gymnasium in Paris. His name is Monsieur Triette. And he convinces this dude to let him live, like to pay for him to live somewhere and give him a stipend to work on his snail telegraph. He also beguiles a journalist named Jules Alex from La Presse, uh, and he gets him to like cover the unveiling of the snailograph. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And so he sort of stages an event, right? He does this sort of unveiling thing on October 2nd of 1850. And this is all at the behest of Triot, who very much wants to, I guess, get his money's worth from his investment. Um, so at this point, the design of the snailogram 
consists of like a scaffold situation using it's like a 10 foot beam with these zinc bowls uh, i don't know why it needed to be zinc maybe because of i don't know he probably had his reasons zinc is i know very conductive with the snails glued using copper sulfate i can't i don't think i feel like we're bearing the lead here this doesn't seem very friendly to the snails not that like you know snails i mean snails have feelings right I think this would be terrible. This reminds me of the the way fleas were treated in those really messed up macabre flea circuses we talked about with uh, with Gabe. Or turnspit dogs, you know, I think would be another example. Yeah, the snail's well-being isn't, uh, isn't really entering into Benoit's calculations. And the contraption becomes increasingly complex and increasingly expensive as they dive into it. Eventually, they end up with, uh, as we said, 48 snails overall, 24 separate couplings into those zinc bowls. They're glued on this wooden board next to these alphabet symbols. We said earlier there were 24 snails, but not 26. That's because this is in French. And in French, the letters W and K are often only used for words that are loaned from other languages. And that's where the author of this post on the Generalist Academy says that's where the discrepancy comes from. Like they, it would have been seen as somewhat extraneous to have that W and K. Also, also patently less French, you know, because I mean, mm-hmm. the French take their language very seriously. So they True. would not even, they'd be like, throw those letters out. We don't use those except for those trash American words. Who needs them? Get, get rid of them. Right. So there's another thing that I think stood out to a, a lot of folks who are listening along at home. It's this. How do you know you have a positive connection, right? Like if somebody pokes the snail that represents the letter B and then someone else on the other board is looking at that snail, what counts as a signal that someone mm. mashed B? Uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of interpretive. I would assume it just goes bing, you know, or a little green light lights up on the snail's head on its little tentacles. No, it does have to do with the tentacles. Though. They're not. Te- what do you call those things? They're ant. Yeah, they are tentacles. They're kind of antennae, meat tentacles. The little you know wiggly things on their heads, uh, and that is how you get gauged it, or at least how he claimed you could gauge it. If you tap a snail on one of the ends, the corresponding mated snail on the other end would wiggle its tentacles sympathetically. Yeah, but what counts? As a wiggle, how do you differentiate that from, you know, a regular snail wiggle? Just like a snail can adjusting. Snails are always, always pretty wiggly, if you ask me. Um, mm-hmm. Those little tentacles are always kind of flopping around willy-nilly. So that's the basic idea, and he attempts to demonstrate this, like we said, at this, uh, I guess you'd call it like a press conference, really. But it doesn't go very well. Uh, he's been kind of stringing Tria along, right, this whole time. He claimed that he had been in communication with his maybe imaginary friend, mm-hmm. Biot. Uh, yeah, overseas. I've got a research partner. You wouldn't know him. He goes to another school. You wouldn't know. He goes to another, he lives in Canada uh, and goes to another school. So this is, he was, he had never, this guy had never actually seen it function correctly. So this trial is not only to maybe attract other investors and make a splash in the press. It's also literally at the insistence of this investor who's like, come on, you know, put your money where your mouth is or my money where your snail's mouths are. Uh, And it didn't really go very well. Benoit was very cagey, right? Like he, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, you would think Tria wanted to uh, really 
push home that this thing worked and that there was no trickery at work, right? So he asked if he would put a curtain up between him and his partner that he was communicating with, who wasn't B.I., by the way, right? It was just right. like some assistant. It was uh, the journalist but, from earlier. That's right, who who was taken by this whole thing. Um, we've got some quotes from him. We'll, we'll give, it, give it a few. Uh, that guy's name was Alex. And he didn't want to do that. He refused to put up the, to put up the curtain. Right. Um, and he set the 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 two, he called them compasses, set them up mm -hmm. in the same room. This was on October 2nd, 1850. The experiment goes ahead. Remember, the journalist is also under the spell of Benoit because <laughs> he's an occultist. Mm -hmm. I thought of that earlier. That's terrible. That's but good. anyhow, no, that's good. Uh, thank you. Anyhow, the he's got Alex here touching snails to letters on one device to talk to Benoit through the other device. And Benoit is going back and forth between these two boards. The, his communication is not separate because he's, quote unquote, making sure everybody's reading the snails correctly and touching them the right way. But the transmission they do end up with is still woefully inaccurate. Yeah, I believe the, the word was supposed to be gymnase. And it somehow ended up being like Jamote, which mm -hmm. is, I guess you could, you could, it's sort of the equivalent of like fat finger texting, you know, yeah. um, but woefully inaccurate. But for some reason, Alex, you know, being what you would think a, a clever guy as a journalist and a skeptic was still really taken in by this, even the like pretty poor showing that they did. Uh, and he had this to say when he wrote about it on October 17th of 1850. Uh, he says, we cannot penetrate the decrees of providence, but we must nevertheless hope that this will not always be so. He basically goes on to kind of predict the internet here, which I love. And that thanks to the very discovery of Messrs, Benoit and Bia, with men now able to better listen to and understand one another, the sacrifices of inventors will not have been in vain, that they will, on the contrary, be able to enjoy during their lives the glory and the honors that until now have only been accorded to their memories? So, yeah, the journalist, Alex, is still, as you said, taken in. However, the wealthy benefactor, the manager of this gymnasium, Triop, is not He's an angel investor who feels like his money has been squandered. He's not quite ready to give up. He says we need a second test with some kind of scientific rigor so we can actually prove something. And Benoit agrees. But on the day they set for this second trial, he's vanished. He's vamoosed. He's left town. He's off the grid. He dies penniless in Paris in 1852. And then we see like a this, if we go back to that article you quoted, Noel, that La Presse article, it was written before Benoit disappeared. And it's got all the bells and whistles. It's got all the flash. It's kind of like what we would call advertorial today. Yes, advertising so. disguised as a piece of editorial content. Yeah, I mean, yes, I completely agree. It just seemed like he was really enamored by this dude. And he's just like really big upping his whole thing. And, uh, you know, but again, he, he is, like I said, in that quote, almost predicting the uh, how important, you know, global communication would, would ultimately become um, and a network, like I said, somewhat resembling the Internet. Miniaturization. Uh, he predicted that. Too. Yeah, 100 um, percent. So. You're right, Ben. Benoit is now dead. 
Surprise! That's sort of a twist. Uh, he he no he no longer is the protagonist of our story. In fact, Alex kind of is, becomes the one who carries the torch of the snail telegraph. Um, he has become kind of a laughing stock over the years. He's mocked in all these like satirical cartoons in uh, Punch magazine, which is a really excellent satire magazine out of France. But he was undeterred. He still held on to the hope that this uh, snail telegraph could be a thing, despite mm-hmm. it clearly being sort of the work of, a, I don't know, do you think um, Benoit really believed it, Ben, or do you think he was just trying to bilk people and he was a bit of a huckster? He certainly had, uh, like you said, was able to kind of charm and uh, bewitch people with his occultist ways. But like, do you think he believed or was he just trying to put one over on people? It's tough. It's tough to say. So we know Alex definitely believed, but it's tough to, uh, you know, divine Benoit's real like his the level of his sincerity, he definitely went through with that first experiment. Like he built the thing and tried to make it work, but he didn't he didn't appear for that second experiment. Still, the journalist Alex doesn't give up. In fact, he like 20 years later, he tries to give it one more go in 1871 on the barricades of the Paris Commune during the uprising. People needed to figure out a way to communicate discreetly the way that protesters would use things like signal in the modern day. Mm-hmm. And so there's a guy named Marquis Roquefort, who is the president of the Barricades Commission, who thinks about Alex's story. And he says, well, maybe we can try this again. So they try the snail telegram again. And unfortunately, as Atlas Obscura puts it, the snail telegram proved to be no more effective in 1871 than in 1850, and it failed to save the communards from massacre and exile. So, so yeah, at this point, we've kind of ended the uh, the lifespan of the snail telegraph. And by now, I think the original snails would have been long dead. I think, uh, well, it's said 15 years. No, they would have been dead for about five years at this point, the, the, the longest lasting of them. And we see it replaced by, you know, more sciencey things, actual telegraphs uh, that really worked and, you know, required infrastructure uh, and not just uh, vibes, though we do love vibes. Really, it's really just great it's film. a it's a film for the whole family, you know. Truly is. <laughs> this is our advertorial for vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's the point of the show. And you know, lest we be too harsh on Benoit, there is something to be said for boldly going where no one's gone before in in terms of invention, right? And trying something new. So while I applaud the go getativeness of it right i i mm-hmm. understand you know not all ideas are gonna make it off the drawing board and not all ideas should still if you're a fan of snails then you're probably happy to hear that the snail telegraph never got off the ground because all those creatures that fascinate you are living lives free of being glued to zinc bowls Oh, thank God. And, you know, snails actually are much more fascinating creatures than I would have ever given them credit for. Like, for example, they are very closely related to slugs, but I would argue slightly less gross. A slug is just like a snail with no shell. And they're also really closely related to shellfish. Um, they, you know, they're they're mollusks. You know, they live, uh, they're sea snails. You know, they're a lot like oysters or clams or, or mussels, right? Mm-hmm. They have a lot of amazing medical uses. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest contributions they make to science. They inspired medical adhesives. Uh, Studies find that snail mucus, in fact, 
might be helpful in uh, assisting the healing process for wounds, like putting it on your skin may trigger an immune response that uh, inspires those cells to regenerate. So cool. And like we said before, pretty impressive lifespan on a snail, two to seven years Uh, in captivity. Again, that can be more like 10 to 15. Who knew? You probably already knew because we mentioned that one before, but really cool creatures, really cool story. Ben, this was a fun conversation. Agreed, Noel. Agreed. And, you know, like slugs, we uh, hope that you enjoy finding this episode of Ridiculous History anywhere on the earth. Uh, We don't have 150,000 episodes yet. That's the number of species of gastropods. But we are going to try to get there. Uh, And we're going to do so with the help of our super producers. So big thanks to Casey Pegram. Big thanks to Max Williams. And of course, Noel, big, big thanks to you. Oh, man. Thanks to Christopher Haciotis here in spirit. Alex Williams, who composed this theme. Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Bet you we'll be seeing him darkening our our doorstep again one of these days soon. But you know what I like? I like a banana slug. That's my favorite species of slug. I like them all, man. I used to have some pet slugs. Did you ever salt slugs? Were you one of those kids? No. Of course you weren't. You're, You're a lover of all. All creatures, great and small. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at AvalonWaterways.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.